Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AFFI podcast. Your hosts, as always, Jerry Marzullo and Luke slash Timothy Howison. We are here at the home of Fire and Iron Media, who are always wonderful and gracious, and we record all of our podcasts out of here. And as always, go check out um, their flagship podcast, Chicago's Bravest, found like our podcast, where all podcasts can be found. I have no idea if what I just said makes sense. Look up some podcasts, look up ours, look up Chicago's Bravest, and go from there. We are on episode, just our special guest doesn't, isn't aware of this, but Chuck Sullivan is very adamant that we actually announce what podcast number we're actually on, because we don't remember. Yeah, the correct number is eight. Oh, this is podcast number eight? Yes. Holy shit. Yes. We're averaging, uh, I think, one and a half to one and three quarter listeners per podcast, so that's pretty good, so... I'm waiting to see if the Belgian guys are still listening to I us. think, just, just so you are aware, and we'll get to our super special guests in a moment, but we did have downloads in Belgium, and there were more overseas. There were other overseas ones, but the one that really struck us was Belgium. It was fantastic. Yes, we we're going to go there and do a show from Belgium. <laughs> Live from Amsterdam. <laughs> I won't say anything else. All right, so. Speaking of getting in discipline problems, Jerry. Correct. Um Hey, what's legal in other countries should be legal here. So uh, we wanted to do an episode on discipline because that's always of uh, extreme importance and a hot topic for our members. And um, we, Luke and I had kicked around ideas for uh, particular individuals that we could bring on to discuss discipline. And we were both in agreement that the individual I'm about to introduce to you um, would be perfect for our show. So I, this is a horrible employer attorney, um, you know, the, the wrong side, the, the evil empire, the whole thing, but absolutely all kidding aside, a fantastic employer attorney, somebody who I have had the, the good fortune of working uh, f- with and against on the other side, um, who make no mistake about it, will terminate you or seek to terminate you and is very good at it. But also we thought, which was fantastic, is is a really just a, a talented attorney, very down to earth, and also an individual that it's just business, uh, doesn't take it personal. And somebody, and I think we'll get into this later on in the show, somebody that you can really kind of turn the recordings off and say, okay, what are we going to do with this one and, and work a deal? And somebody also who I know is not afraid to go and uh, talk their chief off the ledge, uh, their employer off the ledge with some outlandish discipline, just like we have to go back and talk our guys off the ledge and get to what's reasonable. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Steve Denolfo from Odyssey Brits. How are you today? It's a pleasure to be here, Jerry. <laughs> He's surrounded by a bunch of AFFI firefighters in here, so that's cool. The knives were left at the door. Uh, but Steve, uh, just give us a little bit of your background. Steve is a partner with Odyssey Brits. Um, as far as management firms go, they are fantastic to work with and work with them every day. Steve, give us a little bit of, of your background. Well, Jerry, you and I have had the distinct pleasure of knowing each other for many years going back. To Cats our, and dogs. That's exactly right. <laughs> but uh, started my career much like you as a state attorney in Cook County and uh, doing doing right there, and I thought I would continue on doing right by joining a management firm <laughs> and uh, representing units of local government. The majority of my practice deals with uh, doing litigation on behalf of firefighters, so you know, 
accident cases, hostile work environment cases, sexual harassment cases, malpractice cases, representing the guys in, in court, kind of falling from that and falling into what we do on the litigation side is the discipline side. So a lot of my disciplinary stuff kind of fell in hand in hand with the litigation and been doing it now for about 20 oh, lawyer, 30 years. So about 24 yeah. or five have been yeah. doing the management side. So you've been putting up with Carl Addison for 25 years. Yes, and I get hazard pay for you it. You should so. get combat pay. You get like a <laughs> World War II helmet or something exactly. like that. Exactly. But what people don't understand, so you obviously, again, all kidding aside, um, you know, when a, a firefighter or police officer, and we've had plenty of police cases together, but firefighters are in trouble and, you're, and the employer is seeking to discipline, you do that. But also you guys will represent the firemen on – uh, on the litigation side, though, yeah, correct? Yeah, ninety percent of my practice is representing firefighters, police officers in, in litigation. Nineteen eighty-three action, nineteen eighty-three malpractice cases for the paramedics, accident cases, so yes. federal court cases. So the discipline is about you know ten percent of what I do, but obviously that garners a lot more attention because unlike lawsuits, somebody's job is potentially at risk. So, yeah. Yeah. and then we get to spend time uh, debating the merits of of. <laughs> Who's right, who's wrong, and somewhere in between, right? Yeah. So Denolfo could either be your best friend or your worst enemy, depending on the circumstance. So, so there you go. So I, he, Steve mentioned. I, I told him we were going to talk about this. I have a great story, which is a segue into the wonderful world of discipline. Um, Steve talked about he was a former Cook County State's Attorney. I'm a former Cook County State's Attorney, and we had a case one time with arbitrator Klaus, who's fantastic. He, he's he's won and lost in front of him, as have you. He's, he's, you get a great ruling. He's a former Cook County State's Attorney, and we had a disciplinary case where the, the fire chief, who was a part-time police officer, kind of went off the rails a little bit and started testifying about how lazy state's attorneys are, and the arbitrator stopped the proceedings and said you are aware there's three former Cook County State's attorneys that are in the room. That's, that's a true story. And, of course, you brought it up. This was one of the few times you beat me, but that's all right. I understand why you brought that yeah. up. Steve knew he was going to lose, and I looked at my guy and said, do you have a bank account for the retro pay that they could deposit the retro pay in? So it, it, was, it was a little deposit back, wasn't it? Yes, yes, it was. So we wanted to, again, um, utilize somebody um, good for many reasons for discipline. And, and I, I – I wanted to use this, or we wanted, Luke and I wanted to use this as an opportunity to really talk about how discipline for firefighters like really works. So we have the statutes and we have, you know, the arbitral authority, but kind of like the ins and outs of, of maybe some off the record stuff and how things work. And discipline's really hard. And I know, and I've talked to you about it because on the, on the discipline end, you do have some guy whose, whose job, whose rank, whose reputation is on the line. And that's very hard for guys to deal with. Yeah, it is. And, and, and I, in my opinion, by the time it gets to us, there's been a failure in the process. Yes. I mean, I, I would hope that barring some significant event, that most of this should be dealt with before it gets any lawyers involved. And to me, that's ideal because if you can keep somebody internally uh, dealing with these problems, that's best for everybody because once we get involved, it, it ramps it up and, and sometimes leads to yes. perhaps more dire consequences. Yes, I, I agree. I, I think that's the same thing on our end. I tell my union presidents that. I'm like, look, you know, go into the chief's office off the record here. See if you can work this out. What is he looking for? And they keep me advised kind of off the record, as I'm sure they, they do you. But I'm sure you have clients like mine that just do stuff, and then it's three months later, and then you're like, wait, what did you do and why? And you're trying to unring that bell. And what but, amazes me is that most of the people I'm dealing with were probably your clients at some point as, as a union board member and – and 
I think that gets lost sometimes that you're talking to somebody who was in your shoes six months, a year, maybe 10 years ago, but still they were in your shoes at some point. And there is a value to the off the, the, the record conversation, come in, fall on the sword if necessary. We're um, going to talk about falling on but, the sword. You know, that, sure. to me, a lot can be done off the record as long as you're true to your word with the off a record. That's the key. That is the key. And there are, there are a lot of attorneys, a lot of lawyers that I've worked with that what they say is truly what they mean. You, you stick to your word, both the attorney and the chief does, and those are fantastic experiences. It may result in discipline for your guy, but those are fantastic experiences. Every once in a while, you'll get an attorney that you're like, eh, you got to dot the I's and cross the T's with yeah. this fellow. And, and one of the things I enjoy about working with you, and there's other attorneys out there that you can have the same type of conversation with, is I, I'd like to sit down and I, I tend to be honest. Is the person's job at, at risk? Yes. Sometimes the answer is yes automatically. Sometimes it's no automatically. Other times, it's about the conversation we're going to have is going to tick that box yes. one way or the other. And to me, that's the important time to have a conversation with everybody and, and, and hopefully move in a productive manner. So when you guys do, in, 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 you know, you don't have to give up the, uh, the ingredients to the secret sauce here, but when you guys do the investigations, I actually get a lot of questions about, you know, informal inquiries versus formal interrogations and how that works. And we are very open with telling our guys, you know, to ask the awkward questions, is this going to lead to discipline against me, et cetera. But how, how do you parse that out with your fire chiefs as far as informal inquiries versus formal? What, what do you tell them to do? Or do you tell them to back out that, hey, this is serious? So we kind of run into a, the, 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 the first point is, is how do we get to the point to get some information to know whether we got to go forward? So right. let's say somebody's um, backing into the station and, and it's something. Which I've done. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm not surprised. Um, <laughs> so Twice. <laughs> same day. <laughs> It was just last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should be getting a phone call real soon. <laughs> but, um, you know, because I've had some lawyers push back saying, you don't even have a right to ask them what happened about how they backed into the, the station. And I tend to disagree with that because I can do some initial fact-finding to find out, did it, did it roll back by itself? Did you did you not have spotted? Right. I mean, get some general information. But getting to your more important question, I generally, when the chief calls me, I go, if you're thinking this is 24 hours or less, barring some anomaly, right? It's informal. Tell them up front that we're going informal. That means the most you're looking at is 24 hours. And depending on the facts and circumstances, you can tell them, I don't think it's going to be 24 hours. Let's save a lot of time. Let's have the conversation and see if we can get this buttoned up. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a little different than the criminal law. You know, you can start and something comes up, you go, uh Oh, we can stop and, and, and go through and switch it over to the formal process. So I basically kind of use that 24 hour, line for for the chiefs but you know i get a lot of pushback on what a chief can do or a deputy chief can do to find out about an event before we can decide if there's discipline so you know we get like if we get a call you can I, look at witness statement or right. ask so people I, for instance, I just had a call the other day there was an allegation that some the fire crew stole some medications out of a house some narcotics and the chief's like, well, do I have to go formal interrogation for everybody? I'm like, no, you have a right to ask them to do a two-from to set forth the events, who did what, and what was seen. That's absolutely fine. Where you run into problems is if you give them certain questions to answer. Correct. Then we're starting to get to that point of are we now in interrogation, informal, formal. So, I mean, that's that's the problem because a lot of times this can be stopped. You know, if, if you guys kind of tell us a little bit of what happened, we can say, all right, we're good. We don't need to go through the process. So it, it, it – 
to me, that's where the give and take, the, the closed door, off the record conversation goes a long way. Yeah, I think so because I like in the instance which in which you just said, if there, if it is found that an individual stole, going off your your sure. purely hypothetical, I'm sure it, it never happened. I'm it sure. never happened. Going off of that, you know, if a fire chief and what we what what hope what I always hope on my end, which I think makes things easier, is you're going to whack a guy over 24 hours if it's found that he stole narcotics out of a house, sure. right? I mean, you have to assume that. So I always like it when they're just like, let's just kind of skip the whole informal thing, go to a formal interrogation. And at the same time, when you have, I think, two good attorneys in the room, they can talk off the record and say, okay, you know, what are we going to do with this one? You know, and that kind of avoids the whole jurisdictional issue. And, and things get really mucky when it's a trust issue, right? Because you guys go into people's houses all the time. Correct. And people have to trust you're going to come in and do the right thing. And when those are, those are like the, the hard, almost easier for me because when it deals with trust, it kind of forces my hand, right? Right. Versus some of the other things that have come up in our careers that – we, we can manage, yes. you know? Yes. Um, so, go ahead. So, just talking about those two froms, in some of our members that and listen Weingarten to And applies to two froms, but go Yeah, ahead. that's what I was going to go with. Like, hey, where does that fall into play uh, as far as representation and having something written up, sent to the chief? Is that the point where a member would want to invoke those rights at that point? You know, that's the battle I've had with many departments and some attorneys because I don't know if asking somebody to prepare a report about a call gets to the point of Weingarten because that's part of your official duties to do a report about a call. Um, do I have a problem if, if they say they want they want union representation while they're writing something up? I don't know. I don't know what the point of it would be, but... Uh, yeah, and I whether they want to call you beforehand, which I know they do, because and I get calls from the lawyer going, "What are we doing?" Um, but I tend to take the position, and, and we can disagree on this, that asking somebody to do a two from or a, a supplement to a, the firehouse report of what happened in the house, let's say on that that call we were just talking about, I don't think we're in the wine garden area. My position on that. I see if you're going to do a firehouse report or emergency reporting, whatever crazy system you're using, I, I agree. If a chief asks for a two from with a hint of, of a potential outlook, uh, there was a citizen complaint or, you know, what happened on this call and you kind of know that this thing may break bad here. That's when I think that Weingarten does apply. I do have to tell you though, for everybody out there listening in radio land, it is very, very rare. I think I might've had it once or twice with a really inexperienced fire chief that, Oh, I got to have this two from, and you've got like 10 minutes to, to yeah, do no, it. 99.9% of the time. I tell me if you've seen different, what you will find is it's like, yeah, I'm going to go run it past the union president or they email me real quick and I look at it and you know, yeah, usually know, how it works is by the time the chief makes that request, he's already had talked to, to me or somebody else, you know, right. one of the lawyers to find out, can I do it? And yes. should I do it? And how should I do it? And we try to gauge it in a way that is respectful of everybody's rights because I don't want to fight over the ancillary. Did I violate their rights on this? I want to get to the heart of the matter. I, that's that's my goal too. I think there's there I you want it to either be done correctly and you could just get to the heart of the matter because when you start fighting over like like the jury, I, I feel like arbitrators don't even appreciate that though too. Like they don't want to hear like the jurisdictional or was this followed? It's like, you just want to tell chiefs and our union presidents, like just, just follow the act, just do it right. And like get to whether right. or not there was just I agree cause, with the arbitrators want to get to the heart of the matter. Yeah. 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 So just, uh, you know, on that point too, with, with the rights, Weingarten, Firemen's Disciplinary Act and our members knowing 
hey, if this is going to lead to discipline, you ask for representation. And I think sometimes members, generally our members, don't want to get in trouble. Like you said, 10% of the time you're dealing with discipline. So it's a low number. And when they get in that position, they sometimes forget, like, hey, I'm supposed to do this. I've heard chiefs take it a couple different ways, and, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this. You know, some of the chiefs are going to be up front and say, hey, you need to have somebody here. You might want to make a call. But then you have other ones that are, they know it, and they're just going to roll with it and, and kind of, you know, they're going to take the guy in and let him just start speaking. And, and yeah, so what do you call that? Uh, diarrhea, diarrhea of the mouth. mouth you right. know, and just start spilling out. I'm in favor the, of. The, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> the Denolfo syndrome, diarrhea <laughs> yeah. of the mouth. They, so they just lay everything out. So, uh, Steve, I just wondered what your thoughts are on that is like trying to encourage some chiefs to maybe be a little more upfront because again i think most members aren't truly trying to get in trouble and i think sometimes they don't realize where that could go though if they mess that part yeah, of it so up. i mean i take the, the position is that i you are under no obligation to tell somebody they have the right to have representation on the management side and most i'll say most most departments are are savvy enough on both sides that they know if the chief asks you to come in Yes, the initial question, can I have representation? And, of course, the answer is always going to be yes. You have the right to have representation. Um, but I, I take the stance that I find most chiefs, by the time you're calling somebody in, there's been an internal conversation amongst the union president and the chief or yeah. somebody in the chief that yes. everybody kind of knows why we're getting together to have this this little tea for two and or three or four, depending on how many people are sitting in. And uh, I, I find it best to have – everybody present because sometimes that representative is disconnected and, and, and has a little bit more basis of reasonableness. Sure. Uh, and, and sometimes that allows him to have a conversation with the chief of, Hey, this is what we're thinking. What are you thinking? And again, the off the record part. And then if that doesn't work out, then you and Jerry and I can get together and <laughs> have a party, have a party. I think, but I agree. I think, when you are a, a firefighter in Illinois, there are uh, properly rights all over the place, but you have to invoke them. So what we tell all of our members and every seminar, et cetera, is, yeah, if you go in there and waive your right to Weingarten, what did the chief do wrong? You have your diarrhea of the mouth. You want to go in there. So It's not like when you're a cop, you have to give somebody the Miranda rights. You don't have to do that. Right. You, just, you should know your rights and you got a right to invoke right. them or not. Right. Have you come across that? Like just like complete diarrhea of the mouth and you're just, I mean. Other than you? Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I've had interrogations where I've had two or three pages oh. of a transcript where somebody's just, just going God, and going I'm and like going. kicking and, people under the table. And, I know. And I always tell people that kind of goes back to that when you're a kid and you're trying to talk yourself out of trouble. And yes. usually within that two or three pages, you say five or six things that either make you a lot more culpable or, or annoys the chief or both. Yeah. And, and, and that causes problems. Well, I, I want to get into, is there anything we're missing from your perspective, by the way, before I get into the actual interrogation between the formal inquiry or informal and the you know, kind of like informal versus formal? Yeah. The one thing I've been saying a little bit more recently is I think it's important from my perspective and on the management side for the union to have credibility and by that, I mean, they need to sometimes come in and say, you know what? Yeah, he screwed up. Let's let's get this done without creating this whole big to-do about it. And then on the flip side, the chief has to be willing to recognize if they have that relationship when the union comes in and says, hey, chief, I think you're overthinking this one, that the chief recognizes, okay, if they're bringing it up now, I need to take a step back and reevaluate. Everybody that says we're going to arbitration, we're going to you – know, 
it loses its its potency in the sense of having that open line of communication. So I, I'm a big advocate for a, a strong keyboard with one consistent voice, which is another thing because sometimes you can talk the union president, he'll say A, you get the vice, vice president saying B. Right. And so if the union speaks with one voice and is, is realistic about what's the, what's best for the department, you both should have what's best in the department in mind. Management should and the union should because what you want is to have good people working with you that are doing their job. So to me, that's that's missing it a lot of departments. Um, and, and sometimes it's just a function of youth. Right, you, we had a lot of turnover. It seems like lately in the fire yes. service, and you got a lot of young, young keyboards and young course. chiefs, and there's there's a growing process there. So you know I, that's the one thing I would kind of stress to to the, the union folks listening that you know speak with one voice and, and be realistic and have, have if you say something, live up to it. Here, here's why I think that I think that is extremely important, and why I also think it's very difficult because from the union end. One of the things that is very difficult for our guys, actually, let me back up for a second. What I will always say is the local is not there to get you out of trouble at all costs. As much as I would like to say that all of our guys are are perfect and, you know, rose from the dead on Easter Sunday, they are not, right? So our job is to make sure that you're treated fairly and advocate for you and make sure that if there is discipline, that it's proper and that it's there is just cause. It's not uh, unreasonable, et cetera. And I think that a lot of locals miss that and it becomes a game of can I get this guy out of this? Sometimes it's not good for the guy for the corrective behavior. It's not good for the department. Uh, that doesn't mean that you always, uh, you know, you clearly don't roll over and cave. But at the end of the day, you have to look at whether or not this guy is a problem or this person needs help or, you know, what, you know, is the discipline proper or not. But there is a trust factor that everybody out there listening needs to understand. I think what Steve talked about, just talked about is it's hard to go into the chief's office and straight up admit it. Hey, man, I. I did this. I, f I fucked up. Like I did this. Like you need to help me because there is a trust factor on the chief's end that he can either say, okay, you did this. Let's see how we can help you. Or the union becomes very vulnerable because the chief could sit there and then say, thank you for admitting that we're going to terminate you. And I'm going to testify to what you just told me. I mean, do you, do you see what I'm saying? I do. So I there's do. a lot of trust there that goes back. You, that those open dialogues and open lines it's of mutual. communication. It's got to be mutual. I agree. And it has to start before this discipline <laughs> yeah. ever, ever took place. It's, it's right? got to be about other things. Right? Yes. You have to have had other labor management issues that don't deal with discipline where there's been conversations and Correct. people have said, this is what we're willing to do and, and, and both sides and they've done it. You got to build that trust. I agree with you. You can't just come in out of the blue and uh, I did it. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> I have locals, I have guys that are deathly afraid. And as you know, which we will deal with, or maybe just recently dealt with, guys will, you know, tap dance. It's like, uh, I always call it, it's Belushi in, in, in Blues Brothers. Like there was an earthquake, locusts, that my car wouldn't start, you know. They'll do anything where it's like, come on, man, like what are we doing here? But it also isn't coming upon the Chiefs to say, you know, kind of maybe hint around. I, I guess I would ask you what you caution your chiefs. If I were on the employer side, God forbid, I would say, hey, man, if this comes into you, this guy comes in and says, I, I did this, you know, what, what are we going to do here with this one? Do you, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I generally find, and again, there's always exceptions, I generally find that chiefs don't like firing people. 
I mean, but unless you make them. I, I would agree. And they yeah. have a lot of money invested in you, right? A lot of money in training. And, and there is a value to having experienced people out on the street doing the job. Uh, but there are times where it, it, you have no option. And the option is, is, is either because they've done something so egregious or because they've done something that you can't necessarily be comfortable just letting it slide. So being perfectly blunt, sometimes it's better to have an arbitrator give them back to you so that if something comes up down the road, and I, I mean, I can go back to cases involving like sexual harassment where somebody gets terminated and the arbitrator sends them back saying it wasn't severe enough. If something else happens, I can go as the litigation side and say, hey, listen, we tried. We tried, and, and it, I can't, it's not me. I have had plenty of conversations with my locals and my grievance where we have said, look, we know that this is political. We know that the employer needs to go through this and put it on the arbitrator. We've done stipulated interest arbitrations for the exact same reason. Hey, man, we, you know... We need to put it on this third party. And I think a lot of times I will have locals that are especially newer that, that don't really understand that process. And they're looking at you. Why are you not so nonchalant about this? I'm like, well, because I've done this a thousand times. Like I'm telling you, they need to be able to go back to their elected officials and say, the arbitrator threw him back in the pond. What do you want from us? Yeah. And, 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 and it's hard sometimes because you, you are sometimes torn, right? And there's those coin flip cases. Yeah. You know, do, and I, if there's a doubt and if it's if it's borderline egregious enough, I'd err on the side of separation because that that's best for everybody, in yeah. my opinion. Yes. So going along with your guys' conversation right here, I've heard a few great chiefs say this before. If you mess up, fess up, and we'll clean it up. I mean, if that's something right off the bat, if you can take care of it at the lowest level, right? I agree. Then we don't have to get into all this stuff, you know. Depending on the chief, 100%. And and we talked earlier, and I think you'll get a little more into this in the interrogation, but just another little nugget. Don't lie. I mean, that's – and, again, that goes with fessing up. If you if you get out there in front of it, probably going to work out okay unless you've done something horrible. Yeah, I mean, I mean there's, there's always those exceptions. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't lie <laughs> yeah. or start talking yeah. about the birds or the bees. But, but, again, I think just simple things for, you know, our members or firefighters to just – no, like, hey, typically you can work through these things. And because the worst thing you're going to do is if you don't come in and you and you don't tell the chief what happened, they're going to find out, and especially this day and age with recording devices and social oh, yeah. media. Everything's out there. And, and, and come on, everybody knows. And even as, as Jerry knows, there's certain people that come up to you and tell you things, right? On your, your job, Jerry, they come up and tell you. Hey, did you hear about this? Oh, and, somebody's running into the chief's office. Right. So you can't, we're our own worst enemies. Right. So, you know, you have your, your brothers, and I'm not putting it down in a negative way, but you have your brothers, but your brothers will turn on you sometimes and, and, and turn you in. And What is the percentage of discipline that is that is instigated due to one member telling the chief about another member? What would you give put a percentage on that? Oh. 60%? Yeah, 60%, 70%. Social media, any social media case is, is 90 95% a brother given. Because who's friends with the chief? Yeah. On social media, almost nobody. So somebody's got to give it to them. Yes. And, and I would We're, tell you, 90% comes from somebody in, in, oh. in the, the, the membership who gives it to yeah. the chief. Yeah, usually it's the guy that was next up on the lieutenant's exam. That, that's or something been known like to happen yeah. from time to time. Um, but I wanted to talk, I, Luke brought up a good point moving into the actual interrogation process. I, and I, we, we had uh, Margaret on as a, uh, as a guest a couple weeks ago, and I, I talked a little bit about this case, and I actually said I was going to bring it up in the discipline one that we knew we were going to do. It wasn't with you. 
arbitrator Jacobs out of Minnesota, Jeff Jacobs, good yep. arbitrator, yep. very, very, very good arbitrator. And he writes this opinion and it's just fresh in my mind. I feel like you can teach a semester of, of labor law with this opinion. Basically, in a nutshell. You must have won since you like it. No, so no, no. I lost. I, I lost. And but 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 and like I said, you we win and hopefully you win the ones you kind of shouldn't win, but you should lose the ones you should lose. Um the arbitrator Jacobs basically bad set of facts for a police officer, a two-day arbitration, and I'll just put it in a nutshell, very bad set of facts. And Jacobs basically said, no, he does say, hey, the day of that the, these facts took place, that was very bad for this grievant. But arguably, the worst day for this grievant was the whatever date the formal interrogation was when he came in and clearly lied these multiple separate ways. And I, I think it's just such a really well-written opinion that I think either union presidents should read or you know, if they're even younger attorneys, because basically what Jacob says is, yeah, what the guy did was bad. I'm not really canning him for that. The guy clearly lied six different ways till Sunday in the course of the interrogation. He's done. And, 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 and you've seen police, that before. Especially, especially with police, because yeah. that gets in the whole Brady issues. And, and, yes. and our post super fun police reform bill that's now. Right. Well, that, yeah. That's a whole nother, whole nother bag of shit. But, yeah. Lying. Nobody ever does it well. Right. And there's always somebody that's going to bring it to somebody's attention that they lied. So I've had people in interrogations lie about family issues where two police officers were there and we have a report and they witnessed it. Right. I mean, I had somebody come in in an interrogation uh, and he got arrested um, and came in and said, no, this is what I did. This is what I did. This is what I did. We had the police officers that were there. We had the body cam and the, the fine firefighter that was uh, on the hot seat forgot that he had uh, home cameras on his house. And, of course, the wife was a tad bit upset at the time that this all started. So we had all these videos. Yeah. And he came in. And he lied. I, I just I don't understand. That, that made it easy. Those are easy decisions. Because arbitrators also hate that, though, too. It's like, like theft, dishonesty, lying, insubordination. They just hate it because your job is premised on trust correct i mean it is and and the public wants to be able to trust those people they call in times of need and when you can't come in and tell the truth about i understand maybe traumatic for you but a a relatively simple set of facts right an arbitrator is going to be most likely to sustain a termination on that yeah i go to i tell every guy or every person that comes in police or fire say well if you're going to lie in this interrogation that's about to take place in, you know, five to seven minutes, you need to be 150% positive with your life depending on it that you can get away with it. And since no one can ever do that, I mean, it is what it is. But, yeah, I, I've seen it where you're in, the, you're in the interrogation and you're looking at this guy going, that is not what you just told me 400 seconds ago. Right, and we're talking about <laughs> interrogations. And just so we're clear, most of the questions I ask in interrogation – I know the answers to because I got either a document. That was my next question to you, Steve. Yeah. How many questions do you ask that you don't know the answer to? I would probably t- say that it's no more than 20, 30%. 70% I know the answers to, and I, that's how I gauge what I'm going to get on the ones I don't know the answers to, right? So if I, and it's either I have it through documentation, police reports, or other things, talking to witnesses. 
and, and and so I know a lot of things, and I'll and I'll ask the question that there's no doubt I know the answer, and if you give me a less than truthful response, I'm like, okay, we'll go on to the next one I know the answer to, and if it starts to develop a pattern, I know that I'm gonna have to those questions I don't know the answers to, I'm gonna have to ask a certain way, yeah, to 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 lock you in, whether it's you want to tell the truth or not, that's up to you. I, and I tell people, I don't care if you come in and tell the 100% truth, 50% truth, or you lie. What I know what I know, and the chief knows, obviously, as well. So we're going to catch you in those. That's your decision. So let me give you, and, and again, I don't. I think this is a very general question. It might be a very unfair question to ask. But in your experience, you've been doing this for a long time. When So now we've kind of moved past kind of the off the record, and you know we're at the formal interrogation here. Um, when it, when you're done with the formal interrogation, we'll talk about in a moment kind of when the tape recorder turns off, but when you're done with the formal interrogation, when you've gone back in the room with any fire chief, what, what part does, what part does the truthfulness or untruthfulness play to that chief? I would imagine that you've gone back in the room and have heard this guy's lying, fuck him verse. Also, I've imagined you have heard, no, this guy copped to it, and this guy just saved his ass. I mean, yeah, th- 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 those conversations happen, and I think I get more of a reaction on those who lied. You'll get a chief that maybe was borderline, and somebody who lied, it goes from being borderline to... Screw that guy. He's got to go. Yeah. Um, the truthfulness... Truthfulness, is it goes a long way, but it doesn't have the same immediate benefit. So, in other words, lying right away, you're going to get a reaction right away. Somebody comes in and falls on the sword. Yeah, we have that conversation, but you have to kind of let that sink in. And then we have to analyze right. it with all the other facts. And then generally speaking, a day or two later, we can come to a conclusion that this guy would not cool. be as harsh as it would have been if he came in and lied. Yeah. But kind of going to that point, I know that with, with you and I and all the discipline we've done, which I've always appreciated, there are other employer attorneys that do it. There's a lot that don't. I don't, I don't know why. But there's always there always comes that point where like where the tape recorder um, turns off, right? I always call her this. The, 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 you go off the record with the court reporter, and then you you kind of have that conversation. And I always call it like the all right, what are we going to do with this one type of type of conversation? And what I really want our listeners to understand is it's 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 really different, and maybe it's hard for locals to understand or even young in younger executive boards because I think you're right, there has been a turnover, but. Steve and I, we may fight like cats and dogs at arbitration, but as you can see, we don't like to hate each other. I actually really like Steve. He's a good attorney. He's good to work with. That doesn't mean that you don't fight like cats and dogs, but what locals need to understand is that so much of what we do is relationship driven and there's a trust factor between attorneys. And sometimes it's hard for locals to understand the, Hey man, you know, let me, let me go off the record and walk into the room with Steve and the chief and see what we're going to do with this one, which I think does go a long way. It does. And I, you know, and before I have one of those conversations, just like I'm sure you do, I go, Hey chief, you okay. If we have the off the record conversation, right. and kind of not necessarily put our cards on the table, but definitely give them a glimpse at a couple cards of, of this is what we got. And this is what we're concerned about. What do you got to say about that? And because there is sometimes, I, I mean, while I'd like to think I'm the world's best lawyer. There's sometimes something I don't ask or I should have known. And I, generally speaking, you and a lot of other lawyers, if I, they think I missed something, I should at least be the chief should be aware of. They'll bring it out at some yeah. point. Um, I'm not a big fan of letting somebody put their case on and in the interrogation. You have a right to make a statement and, and 
I'll let you have a few questions because, hey, if you got something you think I should hear, I want to know now because I'll factor that into what you're my do. recommendation to the chief. Um, and But I think that the value of sitting down afterwards and having an honest conversation isn't a sign of either one of us not doing our job. It actually, I think it's a sign of us doing our job better than some other people may because Correct. if we can find a common ground that everybody can, and it has two values. One, it, it buys peace, for lack of a better word. We can get it done, and it, we don't go into all this grievance arbitration because, hey, it costs money. These things aren't free. And, you know, if you, if you keep fighting just for the sake of fighting, you're going you're gonna to blow through a lot of your money going to arbitration when probably – uh, maybe you'll think it's a little lower. I would probably tell you 80 to 90% of discipline cases can be resolved. Yeah. That, you know, the serious ones. I'm not talking about, you know. The or, day and the, the, we're one, the written about the reprimand. ones where you and I are sitting in a room having a conversation. Yeah. There's, generally speaking, you can probably get 80, 90% of them resolved short of having to go to arbitration. Uh, but there's a certain 10% that just we're going to agree to disagree and we're going to fight like hell over it. And uh, you're going to make me sound like an idiot. I'm going to make you sound like an idiot. And you're going to pick on the chief. I'm going to pick on your guy. And, and we'll let the arbitrator decide. I mean, the, to, to us, it, it's, it's, it isn't personal between you and I. It's not personal between me and your guy. And, and sometimes I get some attorneys that are mad at the chief and have an agenda. From the, okay, do what you got to do. I respect it, but do it respectfully. Right. And we'll, we'll get it done. And, and I, I the funny part is, you know, I teach some other classes, and I, there's times guys come up to me and go, hey, do you remember me? I'm like, no. You know, like, I fired so many. Well, I don't remember you. you. It's all you interrogated me like six years ago, and I'm like, you don't take this the wrong way. Yeah, I don't remember you. I go, obviously, you didn't lose your job or you got it back. One of the two, congratulations, yeah. right? I mean, so it really isn't personal. Once I'm done with it, I'm done with it. I And I go to stations, and I get sometimes get the stink eyes, obviously, which is fine. I, it's part of the job. And um, people call you the chief's, you know, lap dog and, you know, stupid right. stuff like that. But dude, really? I don't care. This is the only reason I'm here any other time is because of something you did. Well, if they're paying your billable rate, they can call you anything you want. Yeah. That's generally yeah, the... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I wish I was making Jerry money, but yeah, I mean... Um, right. But, you know, I, I never go and say, hey, Chief, let's find somebody to discipline today. Yeah. You know, it's somebody did something, and yeah. it got to the Chief's desk. Well, and to me, that's a big breakdown sometimes, just so we're clear. And I, I'm a big advocate of, and I'm probably aging myself here, the barn boss, right? A lot of stuff that is going on at the department before it gets to the point where it reaches an officer or battalion chief... The barn boss should be riding herd on people, correct, and, and, and making sure that if they see something, they stop it right away before it gets to that point. That is one hundred percent accurate, and it is something that I would say in most locals now is missing. Usually, there should be more crusty old engineers right. that tell a guy quit being a fucking idiot right. and stop yourself. So, if by, in my mind, by the time it reaches the chief desk, on most things, there's been a breakdown in the system. I think that the union hasn't done their job to, to ride herd on their guys because most chiefs don't come in every day going, well, let's see what I can get to discipline yeah. today. I can think of like two, but yeah, yes. I'm not saying you're, <laughs> I said most, <laughs> Yeah, but um, so, you know, that's my mindset is that a lot, a lot more self-policing and legitimate self-police, not hiding. There's a difference between self-policing and hiding. Yes. Uh, you need to correct the action, not just say, oh, well, let's just keep it quiet and not let anybody know and, Hopefully it'll pass. That's not doing anybody any favor either. Because, because the guy's going to do it again. Right. And then somebody's going to go, yeah, you know, he did that a while ago and so-and-so covered for him. Right. And that's, right. that's, so that's the one thing I would also add that 
a little self-policing because by the time you and I get involved, generally speaking, there's been a, a breakdown except for on the severe, you know, somebody's been arrested and charged with something yeah. terrible. Or And when we do when we do get involved, you know, the, the one thing um, that, that I have seen with this is a lot of local presidents and the grievance. And I, and I, I do understand this, and I just want everybody who's listening to understand this. I do understand that the grievance, it is his ass on the hot seat. I, you know, I get it. But to the locals and the grievance that want to see, like, the Perry Mason and the, you know, the, the fuck you chief and the pounding on the table during this discipline process before you get to arbitration, that doesn't work. That works like zero <laughs> out of a hundred times, right? right? And you will get a lot of grievance that will say, you know, oh, you know, it was, it was like, oh, it's like, it's collegial. It's like, yeah, not only do we have to represent you, but we've got to go back in the same room for the next 20 years and represent the next however many. And you got to deal with the same arbitrators. And the same arbitrators and the same chief who's going to come out of there and be like, you, you know, you were ripping on me for the last hour. I mean, it, it can't be napalm. Every single time there's a process. This is the process. It's nothing personal. Then you get to ARB and you have at it. Yeah, so. I have no problem with, with zealously representing your guy. And, Correct. And, and advocating for them and crossing the chief. And if you got something you can, you can give them a hard time on, give them a hard time on. And, and the same is true for me. I will go after your guy and your witnesses. That's part of the process. Correct. But I'm not going to be disrespectful to them about it. I'm not going to be disrespectful to the process. You got to respect the process, and there is a certain level of familiarity because it's not a big circle of people. You you know, on the fire side, you deal with the same group. Police side, you know, same attorneys, right. same and, arbitrators. And I'll right. fight, and but like again, at the end of the day, this isn't me trying to go to battle with Jerry. It's it's me representing my client, trying to to show there was just cause, and, and me you're representing coming my... in and and saying why there wasn't just cause. So, Correct. That's the, the simple answer here, but the, the, there there are people who tend to go a little overboard on some of these, and I find that it, it doesn't bother me as much, but it seems to bother the arbitrators more. Yes. They get annoyed by the, the theatrics. Yes, they don't want to deal with it. Right. So I want to go into some different types of discipline. One of them we just talked about, which is just, God, the bane of my existence, social media. <laughs> oh, my. It's oh, been- my God been very uh fruitful for us on the, the management side yeah you want to talk about billable hours right <laughs> oh my god carl addison's like, like do you want a vacation in aruba this year or paris what do you want to do a wing out right. of the house college <laughs> funds whatever you want to call it yeah, yeah exactly so what percentage are you seeing of discipline that is I, i've just it's just been unbelievable you know i would tell you at the initial outset of kind of social media getting into like Facebook and things that it was, it was a lot more. It was probably, you had a little influx where we 70, 80% where people posting stupid stuff Yes. that one, I don't know anybody cares about. And number two, you wouldn't tell me if we were sitting in a room like this, but you Correct. feel comfortable posting it on to the world. Media. Yeah. Yes. Um, I will tell you though, that I think people are becoming a little more savvy and, and the younger firefighters are a little more savvy about social media because they've been using it since they've been, you know, like early teens. Yeah. Um, I find I get a lot of cases of social involving social media and they're usually violating the pictures of like apparatus or in uniforms, but I've had calls calls. I've had, I've had cases where there's guys in their class A's filming themselves doing beer bongs. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've had guys do a, I had one several years ago where a, a motorcyclist going a lot faster than he probably should have a car pulls out. He hits it. The guy narrated from impact of the car 
how far he carried up. This is where he first landed, and then he walked down the road narrating where he ended up. Right. Why? What's the point of that? Did, yeah. Didn't you have something better to do? And, and did you not think somebody was going to see this? Um, and you see on, on a lot of even like the secret list and, and some of these things, a lot of these cases are, are popping up in other places where they're taking pictures of accident scenes and sharing it, and it makes itself either to the family members or somebody who knows the family. And t- to me, that goes back to the trust thing, um, that that you, you, you breach the trust there, you know. But I, I've seen people – one of the funniest ones I had, this, this goes back a couple of years, was – Give the guy a paid administrative leave order, saying you're ordered not to discuss this this the topic of this interrogation. So we get paid leave, notice of interrogation, do not discuss right. it. Right. That night he's at a party, hammered off his ass. Somebody's videotaping him, going, "Yeah, the effing chief, and this is what they're talking about." And just so you know, that to 15 other firefighters from the department, somebody videotapes it, posts it on Facebook, and the chief wasn't friends with anybody at that party, but miraculously that showed up in his in-mail inbox, I should say. Yeah. Sunday morning. And it's, you know, I wasn't in the video, was I? I wasn't yeah. bagged up in there. I may have. Not that one. No, no. no. That's a different website. Yeah. Um, I've seen, <laughs> it's the paper website, <laughs> but I've seen a lot of the social media again, you know, no one wants your theory and thoughts on race relations and your theory and thoughts on national politics right. and the LRIS. I mean, it's just discipline after discipline after discipline of, of firefighters and police officers, you know, giving their thoughts, very raw thoughts on the current topics of the day. And it's just continual discipline. And, and you're all first it. amendment rights. Well, no, nah, sorry that you're a public employee. Not, some of them you know, are, some yeah. of them aren't. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the, and, and to, to me, I agree with you. There's a lot of things that people share that nobody cares about. And I don't know if it's some therapeutic tool in their mind that they can go and rant about, you know, justice system or voting rights or what. COVID. I mean, how many, right. you know, how many firefighters we have posted some stuff on, on their thoughts on COVID. I respect the fact that you have thoughts, but when you identify yourself or affiliate yourself with the department and you're, you're, you're sending this stuff out there, it puts the department in a tough position. Well, that also goes into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which really was off-duty misconduct. So how do you look at, I mean, you know, there's the arbitral standard and actually really what I've seen is kind of a spike. Maybe it's because we're hopefully coming out of COVID and people are out more and more, but I've had a rash of off-duty DUIs. I just had a rash of them. And like the last six weeks, it's just been local after local. Like we got this guy, we got this guy. So clearly off-duty, I would just say this for everybody out there listening. If you are arrested off-duty or there's some off-duty issue, please, for the love of God, do not identify yourself as a firefighter for this particular. Don't try to badge your way out of it. Don't try to badge your way out of it. Those days are over. That doesn't work anymore. No one's giving you a ride home. Um, And I would tell you, from my perspective, get a hold of somebody at the department and immediately. be honestly with the, honest with them. Don't call in and say you're using a sick day because you're sitting in jail and <laughs> haven't found it out yet. Just be honest. Say, yeah. I, I got arrested. I'm in jail and I'll come in and explain it to the, the chief when I, or whoever, when I get out. Yes. Don't, don't lie about it. Again, that goes back to the truthfulness. Issue. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to kind of cover with the off duty misconduct, which is it, really, I think the issue is because I think that arbitrators are, are very, I think they're very good. And I think that they understand that people make mistakes and people have um, lives outside of the fire department or police department or whatever. But 
I guess the rule of thumb is, I think you would agree is, you know, the more you link your department into your off duty misconduct, the more that nexus is made and the bigger problems you right. have. And the nexus is the key, right? I mean, that's Correct. the standard. And so if I can tie your conduct and there's a nexus between what you did wrong in your department badging, there, there's one way you can do it saying that, Hey, I'm a firefighter, cut me a break. Yes. Th that gets me to the point where we, we probably have a nexus. If you know, then it, where I run into some problems though is is on the temper stuff. So let's say we have somebody who has a, a domestic or has repeated domestics where they're showing temper issues. Well, am I sending a ticking time bomb out on the street, and how do I address that? Because there isn't necessarily a nexus between a domestic and your job as a firefighter, but maybe there is. Maybe it's stress related to your job. When you try to hide that stuff, it goes from how can I help you to how am I going to deal with you. Yes. There's a big difference. Yes, you know. Yes. So, yeah, and are you, I, I, I tell these guys and truly not as a mitigating, well, no, I, I shouldn't say that it is a mitigating issue um, because it does look good to an arbitrator, but truly I will tell guys go for help, go for treatment. There's substance abuse issues. You're, you know, this is your second DUI or something like that. Call the chief, tell them you're getting into an inpatient. Like, no chief's going to sit there and say, I give you a direct order that you can't go into inpatient counseling for your alcohol problem. Yeah, and listen, I've had cases where we've had people who were reporting to work intoxicated, done it a few times, and we were going to fire him after he was the last chance. You know, we got to the last chance to give him a portion, and he came in again. But the, the chief drove him that day to, to inpatient. The right. chief, but the, but we, you forced my hand three times. You know, we gave the first time EAP, second time was enough of a, a gap where maybe it was just a one-off, but we, last chance we gave him and sent him to re Yeah. And then he came back in shortly thereafter, and we're like, well, we got to be done. But the chief's like, hey, I've known this guy, you know, 20 years. I started with him. So he drove him to the rehab that day. And, and you know, th th again, what, what makes you guys good firefighters, right? You want to help. That doesn't end when you become a chief. So if a chief can help somebody, they want to help them, generally speaking, if you're willing to accept the help. Sure. That's the key part of this. Yes. Um, but, you know, we still have a job to do, and it makes you sometimes a bad boss. You don't want to make that hard decision because you always want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And sometimes you just got to make that tough decision. And, and Yes. The, the hardest ones that I've ever dealt with, like emo the most emotionally difficult ones that I've ever dealt with, are like the guy with the alcohol, the drug issue, where you know that this 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 man or woman is very good firefighter paramedic or a good officer and they just they just can't get their shit together. Right. And you're just watching the family fall apart. You're watching these guys and it's like you know that the only thing this person has to cling to left is coming into shift and coming to the firehouse. But the downside and they can't of that get Jerry it together. Is, is by me knowing this I have as a management side attorney my advice to the chief is I have to tell him or her that you have not him to worry about. You have all these oh, other yeah. people. And by letting him carry on that way, you're putting those other people. Yes. At risk. So I, 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 the, the safer thing to do from an operational point of view is deal with that one problem first having to explain to somebody's loved one why this person was continuing. Was driving the rig. And, and crashed into yeah. somebody, you know, yes. so. Yes, yes. So you had mentioned something, which I think was, was one of the last things that I wanted to get into, which was the wonderful world of last chance agreements. Man, I, I've seen them get better. I really have seen, you know, like the like discipline for a prescribed period of time and, you know, not these 
totally insane open-ended last chance agreements that you're basically forcing to go to ARB. But well, the arbitrators don't like open-ended ones anyway. They want sunset provisions in them, generally Correct. speaking. So your thoughts on last chance agreements or what those provisions should contain? Yeah, so I, mean, I think last chance agreements are, are, are a great tool. Um, it's the, the hopefully the, the, the smack over the head that finally gets some sense into the person because if we're at a last chance agreement, it's one of two things. Either it was a severe egregious thing that, that, that based on some circumstances we decided termination wasn't appropriate and we're going to give you a chance to write the ship, or we've had a pattern that right. we've reached the end of the rope and this is really truly your chance to, to, to either get it right or you're gone. Um, generally speaking, I, I want – and most of them usually involve drugs and alcohol, generally speaking. I mean, just... I would say, yeah. Yeah. And so you're going to have certain treatment provisions. You're going to have certain reporting provisions back to the department so that you have to provide that proof of attendance, um, notes from the doctor that you've been attending, um, how much more uh, treatment is needed um, after the prescribed amount, if any. Um, and then we, we... I always put in a sunset provision. I'm not unrealistic about it. I don't want... Um, I want it to be effective, but I also want there to be a light at the end of the tunnel so that if somebody does everything you ask for, that they get a clean slate. Um, and I I also like to have the, the, the anvil in there where if you have a similar offense while you're on this last chance agreement. Correct. It, the only only question is whether there's a violation, and if there was a violation, the agreed upon discipline is termination. Correct. Steve, That's what, what you, I prefer. Yeah, <laughs> Steve, what do you think? I think, and I've seen this a little more lately, and then, Obviously, I've had a uh, personal experience in my family with it, but you know, people get the addiction problems, and typically in these agreements, you have routine drug testing or random after the fact for up, you know, period of period of time or like whatever. Eighteen months, usually, yeah. Yeah, something like and, that. Um, and again, I think addictions become more prevalent where people know about it and they know a lot more about it. What are your thoughts on you know? I've seen and I've seen it with members. You know, they they get their initial issue. And they're still going through rehab and whatever they're going through, but then they relapse, you know, and, you know, technically, well, now you've violated that agreement, you know, technically, but uh, in some of the cases I've seen, they've allowed that person to continue to work. Through. How do they find out about the re- relapse is going to be the key? Yeah, correct. In so, my mind. Yeah. Like, so if they lie about it. Well, or if they, they come in and say, chief, on an off day. I'm chief, going to piss hot. I, yeah. I, I screwed up. I'm, I'm, I'm letting you know, and there's going to have to be a conversation to see the facts around it. And, but I, I, it's not my decision whether you want to find any violated agreement. That's the chief's decision. Mm-hmm. If the chief wants to proceed that way, that's up to them. Um, and I think you might have missed it. I said, you know, chiefs don't want to fire somebody. They tend to want to try to help people. Mm-hmm. Generally, unless there's a long history, they probably will give them one more chance. But I can't guarantee because technically it's a violation. The open meeting? Or, uh, yeah, the, the open, open meeting. Exactly. That's right. That too. Uh, but of the last chance agreement. Right. But but to your point, the, the problem is, you know, lawyers lawyers like things to be definitive and they like standards and they like lists. Like, oh, okay, we've drafted this last chance agreement. And that says if you do A, B, and C, you're good. If you do A, B, and you don't do C, then you're screwed and here's how. But what the science tells you, the doctors and psychologists and psychiatrists, and what's really hard when you deal with some more, some sometimes some, some more rigid and unforgiving employer attorneys is that more subjective 
how much time have you had invested in this guy? The science does tell you that, you know, what on average somebody with some type of addiction will, will relapse three times before they figure this out. So you'll have a psychiatrist or psychologist that you'll try to put in a last chance agreement of, you know, well, how many sessions? And, and then look at you correctly and say, I don't know. That's up to him and his progress. So you, we, it's the, the, the problem I've always had with last chance agreements is that you and I are trying to find out, trying to put some type of finite terms and put like a fence around this. But that human on the other end, it's not that simple with a substance abuse right. issue. And, and, and that's hard. And How do you reconcile? back to the story, right? What, if somebody comes in and says, oh, I was at a concert and I may come back hot and they come back and the, the concentration is, is they did a, a whole, huge agent myself or Cheech and Chong bong. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going right. to call bullshit on that. Right. But if they come back and, and it's a trace amount and, and there may be some validity to that. Okay. But again, it comes back to how did I find out? Did I find out because somebody said, Hey, I heard that. And he never, or she never came up and told me that's been more problematic versus hey, I, I screwed up. Here's what happened. I'm going to yeah. go back in, uh, you know, whatever the appropriate response may be based on consultation with their, their doctors. Generally, I'm okay with, but I don't make that decision. I, I know a lot of people think that it's the lawyer that drives these decisions. Just like you probably do, I go in and say, All right, here, here are the odds. Here are your options. Right, yeah, here here's are the, the options, and here's the odds on each option. And I, I can think of almost no cases where I say, you got to do this. What I will say is it protects the department the best if you do this. Right. Um, but I never say, and I've had chiefs disagree with me. I've had chiefs go against me and say, no, fire them anyway. Okay. Yeah. That, that's fine. Let's go. Yeah. And and sometimes I've won them. Sometimes I've lost them. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. the nature of the beast. Yeah. I had a guy on a last chance agreement once that, that you know, went, over the, went out over the weekend, did something. It was a relapse and a half. And actually made notification from like Rosecrans. Like just went in that Monday morning. And he, hey he man, lived to fight another day, didn't lived, he? And he did, and yep. he actually did. He just was just like, I completely screwed this up. I had a relapse. It was a moment of weakness. I'm calling you from inpatient counseling. What that does for me, it gives me the most bullets in the chamber to go fight with the employer and say, look, right. look, look what this guy just did unilaterally. He screwed up, and he's trying to mitigate it. And so. if it's a first time, fine. But it's like the third time since the last <laughs> chance agreement, we, we, we may have a little bit more of a problem. Yeah. yeah. it's That's the fourth time you come home with lipstick right. on your collar. You got problems, right? Um, any last thoughts that we should have talked about or were missing from the employer point of view for, for discipline? It was great having you in here from an employer perspective on discipline. Yeah, absolutely. You have to identify yourself for the record. Vince from Chicago's Bravest Stories. Adorable. I work for a bigger department and the biggest. depending on my, what my charges are, it, could be neither me versus the department or me versus the city. And in regards to the wine gardener, is there the statements that I make prior to like invoking the wine gardener? Is that stuff be considered like fruit of the poisonous tree or that, yeah. that doesn't even come into play? It'd be my position that, that uh, again, not knowing how you were brought in and how the conversation came to be, but generally speaking, if you don't invoke your rights, then that's on you Correct. and I get to use what you say. And from my point of view, you want to treat it as conservative as possible. So when I file grievances or when you go in and you're doing the interrogation, I like to assume that the law is and your rights are actually worse than what they are because it 
forces you to be more careful. So you always ask for union representation. Never make any statements. Always watch your timelines on your grievances. And you know, I mean, you know what I mean? I think if you take a more conservative approach, you can never, you can never go wrong. So sitting there and asking for that representation right off the bat to me is key because that doesn't allow that you've taken away the ability. What you never want to do is give Denolfo more bullets in the gun to fire at you. So why would you do that? You want to make sure that you're protected all the way down the line. You've invoked your rights. You've not said anything. Why, why give us the opportunity or why give him the opportunity to use those statements against you yeah, and make, make me, follow me the act. make, make me you follow fi- the fireman's right. disciplinary right. act and, right. and, and then everybody's protected and right. Don't but, make me have to go fight with him on jurisdictional statement issues prior to getting to the heart of the matter in front of an arbitrator that is looking at the two of us saying, Oh, what the, you know, can we just get to this already? Does that make, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But the, the, go back to your one, to, to the biggest thing is that I find an apology goes a long way in in the interrogation process, in the initial off-the-record, whatever it's going to be, a sincere apology, acknowledging wrongdoing, <laughs> um, goes a long way. Um, the only other thing I would say from the management perspective that always surprises me is the person whose job potentially is at risk often comes in with a smug attitude or thinking they're the smartest people in the room. And what I tell firefighters when I'm prepping them for depositions is that, you know, I understand you may have been the only paramedic on that call and that everybody in that room is just lawyers and don't know what you're doing. But when you come in under a question and answer thing, you're playing the lawyer's game and and, and it is a game. There's tactics to it. Sure, there's, of course. there's methods to it. So, it just surprises me that the number of people that come in and think they're the smartest people in the room and that they're going to be able to manipulate the process. Yeah. And and I would just tell you, the, again, from my perspective, I don't, I don't care what your story is, <clears throat> but do it in a sincere way and do it in a way that is truthful because I am telling you everybody knows. It's the fire service. Everybody knows. Yes. And everybody talks. And and so just, just come in, respect the process, and and – you and I both have a job to do, and, and it's not personal. Right. I understand it's personal to that person because it's their livelihood. Yeah. But it's 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 not personal to me. I, I, I try to make it not personal to the chief, but sometimes it is an affront to the chief. Sometimes what has happened is is there or I've heard all the hundred times, oh, there's a history, you don't understand the history between the oh, chief and this I guy. I heard this all the time. Okay. But I'm dealing with the facts, right? Because that's what an arbitrator is going to do. Right. So if the facts support this discipline, I'm going to tell the chief it's okay. If the facts don't support it, I'm going to say probably not the best decision. But right. it's ultimately that chief's decision. And, and I've always told my my guys on the union side, the arbitrator doesn't know or care about the history. So all of your little arguments and sniping at each other and back and forth and the awkward meetings you guys have had, et cetera, for the last five, six, seven years. And the chief did this to me one time. I can't prove it, but I know he did it. No arbitrator gives a shit. They're just giving me that. What are you, what are you, what are you talking about? I agree. So that's it. So the moral of the story is, uh, smoke crack, worship Satan and lie your ass off. I think is kind of the three. I got kids in college, so please do it. That'd be perfect. (laughs) Yes. 
Steve, thank you very much. Uh, this was pleasure. something that we wanted to do for a long time, and it's really good uh, to have for our members to understand this from the employer perspective. The, like, the correct perspective. The cor- yes, of course. Yes. Right, the award-winning perspective of what takes place. Am I, Luke, am I missing anything else? No, Steve, I appreciate you coming Luke, by. It's been and, fun. I appreciate yeah, it. And appreciate, uh, you know, a year or so ago, before the pandemic, we were doing the discipline seminars, too. Appreciate your help with that as well, and I think it's great information for our members to have, and I think we laid out some good little nuggets today of how to stay out of... Some glorious poop nuggets of knowledge. Exactly. Yeah. Stay out right. of uh, Denolfo's uh, sites. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be there, and, uh, you know, obviously, like we've said, know your rights and, you know, fess up, uh, be upfront about things, and, you know, and just don't put yourself in a position where you're even... Talking about this, Jesus, you know, take that's the, the easiest thing. So you got twenty four hours not to do anything wrong. That's all we ask. It's not a lot, is it? Show up, come to work, relatively sober, somewhat on time, and wear black socks. That's all we're asking you to do. That's it. That's all we got. Shot mop right backwards and don't do anything wrong. That's all we want. All right, stop recording before we say more dumb shit. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks guys. I appreciate it. Thank you.